Lord, as we come, we are here. Uh, we rejoice in your presence. We seek uh, to be with you and to have your word. And Father, we just believe tonight that you'll give clarity of mind. Father, articulation of speech, boldness of spirit. Father, to just communicate your truth, your revelation. Father, I ask that you give each one here Here's ears excuse me, to hear, a heart to receive, a will to do your word. Father, let us be changed by your word. Father, let us be built up and transformed. Let us be illuminated and made wise. And Father, able to do all as it says that the word of God says that it makes the man of God able uh, to do all things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about what God commands he draws. And what does that mean? Well, I want you to turn to Acts 17.30. We all know the verse. And it says that God commands all men to repent everywhere. You know, I've looked at that for years, and not till just today did I get a revelation like what I got today about this verse. What he commands, he makes able to respond to. God has never given us a commandment that not only are we able to, because if we weren't able to respond to it, he would be an unjust God, right? Now, he commands us to repent. And not only does he make us able to do it, but that is the one thing that he is working with and influencing and causing to try to happen. You know, we don't have to just go out into the field of evangelism thinking that God isn't already working on people. One thing I have found is we're the ones holding it up. Because there's a whole bunch of people waiting, wondering, and wanting, and weary, and wishing somebody would come talk to them about God. There's all kinds of people out there that are so ripe that they're rotting. And they're going to fall off the vine. Let me read that. We're in Acts 17, verses 30 and 31. It says, In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained thereof, he hath given assurance unto all men. Everybody say, All men. Not just the elect. There's probably not a more demonic doctrine than that. All men. Everybody say all men one more time. It doesn't say at the times of his ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth the elect everywhere to repent. Oh, no, it says all men, doesn't it? Everybody say all men. All men. Because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men. Whereof he hath given assurance to all men. There's an assurance that he's already paid the price. Can I get an amen? amen. An assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. That's our assurance that this deal is real. All men. You know, all you got to do is look at Matthew 25, 41, and it says, hell was made for the devil and his angels. Everybody say, hell was made for the devil and his angels. It wasn't made for us. So there was no plan to send anybody to hell. 
Now it'll happen, but that's not the plan. That's not the plan. Not the plan that some were made for heaven, the elect, and some were made for hell. No, that's not the plan. And the fact that our names get written out of the Lamb's book. Now, turn, turn with me. Go, let's just go there tonight. Let's go to Psalm 67, 27. And there's about three or four scriptures like this. Psalms 67, 27, and 28. I hope I wrote that down right. That doesn't sound right for some reason. 67. You know what? That isn't right. As soon as I said it, I knew it was wrong. 67, 27, 28. Let me look at something real quick, and we'll, we'll get that right. I want you to go there, but go ahead and turn to the book of Psalms, and I'll give you the right scriptures here in just a second. Um, I'm trying to think. Where is that? Psalm 69, 27. I believe it is. Yep, that's right. Now, this is David talking about the wicked and how he so despised them. So, this is kind of an odd verse of Scripture, but take it in its context. These people have been trying to kill David. And add iniquity unto their iniquity. See, margin of my Bible, it's, it says, add punishment of iniquity add punishment of iniquity unto their iniquity, and let them not come into thy righteousness. Let them not come, everybody say, let them not come into thy righteousness. Now these are the wicked, these are the reprobates, these are the ones that are, that are against him, and, and that was kind of a, a thing where God wishes that all men be saved, but, but David says when they, when they get to a point where they're out, how many of you know it says don't pray any longer for Ephraim because he's joined to his idols? How many of you know in Hebrews 6.6 6, it says it's impossible to renew unto repentance again those who once knew who have tasted the heavenly gift and of the powers of the world to come to renew them unto repentance again. There is a level of no return in some cases. Can, can I get an amen? The Bible teaches us that, and you don't want to go there. But I believe that's the type of man David was talking about. And add iniquity under their iniquity. Because he, how could he say that and be anointed by the Holy Spirit to say it? How many of you know all Scripture is inspired by God? And David is saying this by the power of the Holy Spirit then. And add punishment to their iniquity. And let them not come into their righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not written with the righteous. It's if you never come in to write. Read that last verse on 27, that last part of verse 27. And let them not come into righteousness. Don't let them come into the house. Hold of God, he's saying, because they're so wicked. You know, God's not going to let sinners get into heaven and mess it all up again one more time. Can I get an amen? He says, don't let them come in. Don't let them come in. These are lost people never coming to the Lord. These are lost people never coming to the Lord. Never Let them not come into the righteous. And then let them be blotted. That tells me unrighteous people's names are already in the Lamb's book of life. He says, don't even let them come in and become righteous. 
and then blot their name out. So he's blotting the name out of people who never come into righteousness. Can I get an amen? Are you following me tonight? So all the wicked people in the world, their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then it comes to the Day of Judgment. If they never came into righteousness, then their names get removed. See, we, we preach like we're getting our name put into the Lamb's Book of Life. It was already... Everybody's name was put into the book of life because it was God's plan that none should perish and all should come. Amen. That all should come, that's, that's represented by everybody's name is written there. And that none should perish is represented that hell was not for man, it was made for the devil and his angels. See the two types of provisions? Names of everybody already written, he wishes none should perish. I mean, I mean that all should come. He wishes all should come so much that he's already got their names. You know, if I had guests and I had 50 guests coming, I would write all their names in the guest book hoping they'd all show up. Can I get an amen? And if I didn't want them to meet in my garage, I wouldn't set up any chairs there. I want to have them in my living room and in my dining room. And hell wasn't prepared for man. It was prepared for the devil and angels. Well, my garage wasn't prepared for my party of my 50 people coming. My garage was made for my car and all my junk that I store in there. Can I get an amen? Does that make sense? Are those good enough parallels to get you to understand that God didn't have any business of trying to send anybody to hell? He's doing everything he can to get everybody to go to heaven. And he isn't commanding some to repent. He's commanding all of them to repent. He's got all their names written in the land book life. He's got none of their, uh, no reservations in hell, only reservations in heaven. We're the idiots that mess up the plan by not accepting Jesus. Can I get an amen? Now, I'm, I'm, when I say we, I mean we mankind. Nobody in this room, but we as in mankind. Y'all understand what I'm saying when I say that? We as mankind. God commands all men to repent. And that's not a new thing. That's also in the Old Testament. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 20. So for this commandment, which I command thee this day, is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. You know, the command to get saved isn't hidden from anybody, and it's not far off from them. They act like they can't comprehend that God's telling them to repent. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't get this stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. You dirty little liar. Shut up. You know, good and well, you're sinful. And you know, good and well, you need to repent. But you're a rebel in your heart. For this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. This thing isn't out in outer space. God's already planted it in people's hearts. Can I get an amen? amen? It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven? Excuse making. And bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Oh, I need somebody to go get it and come feed it to me on a silver platter because I'm too lazy to do it myself. Oh, it's too hard. I can't figure it out. Somebody's going to have to go figure it out and bring it to me, put it on a silver platter and put it in my mouth and spoon feed, feed it to me before I can get it. Shut up. The Bible says it's already been planted in your heart. You already know better if you're a lost person. I'm not talking to anybody here. I'm talking rhetorically. I hope you all understand that. 
Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart. You know, in Romans it says, Oh man, thou art without excuse. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to show that to you in, in, next, in several points here. That we may hear it and do it. But the word is nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. God planted in your mouth and in your heart so you'll do it. He hasn't hidden it. It's not up in the heavens. It's not over on the other side of the sea. He's already put it inside you because he wants you to do it. He isn't commanding people to repent and then it's some hard thing they can't figure out. It's very, it's very understandable. Have somebody come up and slap you in the face and say, do you like that? Okay, yeah. then start walking in love because that's not walking in love, is it? And do unto others as you'd have done unto you. Duh, real hard. A little kid can figure that out. And yet people today got their thinking so miscobobulated that they can't, they act like they can't understand it. They don't, they don't want to understand it. See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. God set it before us. It's just like turn right or turn left. We know left is evil. <laughs> Amen. In that I command thee this day, do to this day the love of the Lord thy God, to keep and walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and statutes and judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thy heart turn, okay, turn. Right, right there, everybody say turn. turn. See, we're talking about repentance, either turning to God or turning away from God. Turning to the left, I set on life, to the right, or to the left, death, and to the right, life. Now turn and don't turn away from life because life is already in your mouth and in your heart. Life is already planted in you. Life is already your inherent DNA and design is to walk towards life. And you have to rebel to not do it. Somebody say Amen. See, God's already set up all the world and the lost. And they're going to act, they act like they don't know what you're talking about and they don't get it. And they, No, 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 no. Don't play that game with me. I know that you know. We both know that there's a God. And we both know that you're a rebel. And we both know that you don't want to comply to God and you want to go your own way. But God's commanded you. And God wouldn't command you if he didn't already know that he's working on you to obey Otherwise, he'd be an unjust God. See, we're so timid and so intimidated. But people are so wicked, and, and wickedness has so got its way against righteousness these days. It is so emboldened and entitled, and we are so weak and so wimpy as Christians. I'm sorry, but I just, I just, that's the way it is. And we need, we need to repent from our, from our timidity. Somebody say amen. But if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish and that ye shall not, and ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whether thou passest over Jordan to possess it. And then he goes on and he commands them to choose life again and choose 
blessing instead of cursing. Well, it's no different than in the New Testament. He commands all men everywhere to repent. There he commands all men to choose life and quit going down your death path. So is not that just repentance because he said, and don't turn away. Repent means to turn. It's a, it's a, it just means 180. It means to turn around and go the other direction. So God has always commanded us to repent. Amen? Can a man repent on his own apart from God? A lot of people will say, no, no, no. See, everything is God's grace. If we, if we could repent on our own, that would be, you know, uh, our own works getting us saved. And, and that sounds really good and sounds really religious and everything. But let me tell you something. We can't repent totally apart from God, but God has already made provision for us to repent. And he's already made us able to do that. It isn't like some, he, someday God's going to, with his great sovereignty, come down and bestow grace only upon certain ones at certain times, and then they can repent. And before that, they couldn't repent. That is such hogwash. That is so convoluted. That is such religion gone crazy. Because God has already made a way for all of us to repent. Acts 2.38, it says, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. Repent, every one of you. <laughs> Repent, every one of you. Why is that? Because in Acts eleven eighteen it says, God has granted the Gentiles repentance unto life. When did he grant the Gentiles repentance? Turn with me to Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. When did he grant all the Gentiles repentance? When did he grant them or empower them or ingratiate them or give them the power or make it able so they could do it? You can go back and it tells you very clearly and it's very obvious here in Ephesians, and you can read there in Ephesians 2, and it's verses uh, 11 through 13. In other words, he's already made the way for all these things to happen, and he's just waiting on us. And it says there, and it says, Where and remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision, in other words, outside the covenant, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There was a time in the Old Testament where the Gentiles, there just wasn't this mass grace, this blanket grace for them to repent. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. He has granted the Gentiles repentance. Can I get an amen? amen? They were isolated. They were outside. They were like the woman that came to Jesus and said, even the dogs eat off the crumbs of the table. And he looked at that Gentile and says, wow, you got more faith than all the, all the Jewish people. I'm going to let you in. And you're going to see your daughter get healed because of your faith. But he's already granted the Gentiles. They've been nigh by the blood of Jesus. God uses men to bring people to repentance. How many of you know that Paul says, I'm sorry that I made you sorry, but really I'm not sorry because this type of sorrow leads to repentance. You remember that over there in 2 Corinthians? There's sorrow that leads to repentance. Not a, God, not, a, not a worldly sorrow that leads to death, but there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And then we also know that in Romans 2 it says that we know of the goodness of God and it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And then we know in Jude it says some by fear and some by compassion. Some by fear and that's when there's sorrow that come to repentance. And some by compassion, that's when you know the goodness of God, Romans 2. 
It leads to repentance. And there's both kinds, and it's mentioned over there in Jude 1, 21 and 22. So we know that God uses his goodness and he uses men to bring men to sorrow. And who's going to tell them about God's goodness? Oh, excuse me, us. So both ways, we tell people about God's goodness. You get some person that's so beat down and so self-condemned and so miserably think of themselves in such small and negative terms. And they think, I could never be saved. I've sinned way too much, and God doesn't like me. I'm just a cruddy little piece of crap. Well, how many of you know that person needs to know about the goodness of God? Then there's the arrogant fool that says, I can shack up, I can smoke pot, I can do anything I want. (laughs) I'm sure God likes me. I've got it together. Why would I worry about that? That person needs to be knocked down a few pegs, and that person needs to be brought to sorrow, to repentance. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we know that God wants us to come to repentance, and he has granted the Gentiles repentance. And if he commands men to repent, he grants it. And we don't... You know, one person might say, well, don't we have to wait for it? Turn with me to John 12, 32. Don't we have to wait? You know, is, is God going to, when is God going to draw me to himself? Don't I have to wait and doesn't the time have to be just right? I mean, there are times where the anointing is stronger and the conviction is stronger and God's uh, giving people their last chance in some cases because they've been so hard stiff-necked and so uncooperative for so many years. But look what it says in John 12, 32. John 12 and 32, it says, And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. How many of you know God is drawing all men? There's that all men. You know, I, I just can't get away from all the places in the Bible where it says all men. He's commanded all men to repent. If I be lifted up, is that when we just sing... Let Jesus be lifted higher. No, that is when Jesus hung on the cross, he was lifted up. How many of you know Jesus has already been lifted up? And ever since that day, he's been drawing all men unto himself. Well, no man can come to the Father except, or no man can come uh, to God except the Father draw him, or the Spirit, I can't remember what that verse says. No one can come except the Father draw He's already drawing all men. That's a universalized statement. That's not a specified statement. Let's look at at John 3, 14 through 16. Let's go back a few pages. Let's go to John. John 3, 14 through 16. Look what it says. It says, And Moses, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So now... If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. And it says the Son of Man is lifted up. That whosoever, is whosoever mean all men? It's whosoever, it's anybody. All are potential recipients. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Then our favorite verse, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, it's a whosoever. It's all men. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. Did you know he's been drawing all men all these years, ever since Jesus has been lifted up? And we don't know if we should go talk to him. We're afraid to go talk to that guy at work. Did you know God's been drawing him for all of his life? Did you know God has commanded him to repent? 
Do you know that the Bible says the fool has said his heart there is no God? But the Bible also says in Romans that everybody knows that there's a God and you have to fight yourself to get yourself to believe such a stupid notion that there isn't a God. He's been drawing people. Romans 10, 6 through 13. And it talks about how that the word is nigh thee, even in the heart and in thy mouth. That is the word of faith. Well, let's just go there. That's, that's a portion of scripture that we all know pretty well. Romans 10. I hope I'm not boring you tonight with the word of God. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thy heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But the word, but it saith that the word is nigh thee. And he begins to quote that scripture that I read to you earlier. Wow. And that is where it talks about how we need to repent. God commands all men to repent. God is drawing all men to himself. So you might say, but how can God be drawing if they are in a country with no gospel message being preached? Let me give you three ways that God draws men to himself. Three ways that God draws men to himself. Because you know what? There are places in the world where there is no preaching. But God says there's other ways that he draws men to himself. Turn with me to Psalms 19, 1 through 3, and one of them is creation. How many of you know God's at work at all this stuff, whether we are or not? God's working on people's hearts, whether we are or not. He would just like us to cooperate with him and be co-labors so they can be jewels in our crown for eternity in heaven. And our source of rejoicing, as Paul said in Thessalonians. Psalms 19, 1 through 3, it says, As the heavens declare the glory of God. You know that when you look up at heaven, it's declaring something? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night he showeth knowledge. And there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The creation, the glory of God, the heavens and the firmament, show the sand work. Day and a day at other speech. It's talking day and night, and it's talking in every language. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Whose voice? The heavens, the firmament. You could say creation, God's handiwork, that which God created. Creation talks to us constantly. You know, I've been looking at how beautiful this fall is, and I just say, only the Lord could make things so beautiful. Only the Lord could make these trees so beautiful. You go see a beautiful waterfall this time of the year, you say, only the Lord could do that. And you look at the skies, how many of you saw the moon the last few nights? You know, that's not going to happen again for another 34 or 36 years. I can't remember how many years. It's It's been so bright outside, there's shadows in our yard because the moon is so bright. And something made all that. You know, you, you, you just try to make it yourself and see what happens. Try to create a human being. Try to create an animal. Try to create a universe. Try to create a world. Try to create, you know, some people just have a hard time, uh, you know, making their bed and keeping their house nice. Try to create a universe. Something, everything has design. 
design, matter, and energy, the, the science world still can't answer where all that comes from. Heavens declare God's glory, who he is. The firmament and his handiwork, what he does. And he utter a speech, and they talk to us. They show us the knowledge, the scientific information from studying biology, studying our DNA, and now they're finding out these micro-machinery in our, in our DNA that's absolutely, unbelievably complex beyond our wildest imagination. We've just been smart enough to finally start discovering it. Can I get an amen? amen. Just in recent times. And the micro-machinery and the, and the micro-technology in our bodies and the su- just the supernatural powers of DNA and and just the incredibleness of our creation. The more we learn, the more we're awed. Not the more we say, well, we got this thing figured out. The more we learn, the more we say, we haven't even come close to figuring this out. And so creation is a very powerful, powerful means by which uh, creation science and intelligent design and all these things begin to speak to us, somebody made all this. Amen. What is the message then that creation sends? Turn with me to Romans 1, 19 and 20. It says, because that which may be known of God is manifest. You know, it's really warm in here. Is everybody feeling really warm? Maybe my jacket's just too warm. Okay, 19 and 20. It says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it to them. Wow. You know, I should go back and start with verse 17. Let let me go back to verse 17. I made a mistake there. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now that, that's, a, that's a powerful statement. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What are some ways that we can hold the truth in unrighteousness? You know you're supposed to go to church and never go. You know you're supposed to tithe and never tithe. You know you're supposed to win souls and never do it. You're holding the truth. But you're not obeying it. You're living out in unrighteousness. Because if you're living in righteousness, you'd be obeying it. I knew it would get really quiet right about then. When you really know deep down in your heart there's a God and you call yourself an atheist because you're too insecure uh, among your intellectual academic peers to, and you're too cowered down to face off with them and argue with them that there really is a God. Academic, academia is full of insecure little dweebs that are afraid to stand up to the big intellectuals that rule them. That's holding the truth and unrighteousness when everybody in the classroom is saying, oh, there's no God. You know, we, we believe in, in, in uh, uh, what is it, Darwinian evolution. When you know really is creation. You're holding the truth and unrighteousness. And, and when you know that there's a God and you won't repent. See, when you know something and you won't act upon it, it's holding the truth in unrighteousness. When you play games with yourself and you won't be honest with yourself, you won't be intellectually honest, and you won't cast down imaginations, you won't think the way God tells you to think, and you won't do what God says to do, and you won't believe what God tells you to believe, and you won't act on what God tells you to act on, that's holding the truth in unrighteousness. Somebody say amen. Amen. 
And that's what's ruining the world. Because God has made it clear to us what righteousness is, but we reject it as, as, as mankind. Not, not in this room, I'm saying, as mankind. But that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. Don't tell me they don't know. My Bible says God has shown himself to people. Somebody say amen. But they're holding the truth and unrighteousness. And he needs some reinforcements to come in like you and I to go preach to them. And reaffirm what his word says and what they've been taught and told in their heart by the Holy Spirit. And the law of God that's written on their hearts. Can I get an amen? See, and we're so afraid of them, you know, to go witness to those people. And they're such rebels, and they're so wrong, and we're so right, and we're the ones that are backing down. Isn't that pathetic? We need to stand up and be stronger soul winners against uh, this business. Because what God has already commanded, he's already made him able to do. To respond. He's commanded him to repent. And he's already drawn him to it. He wouldn't command him to repent if he wasn't drawn him unto his own self. And they're rejecting him and the command to repent. And he wants us to go reinforce and preach and be strong, but we just let him disobey and spit in God's face, and we don't, and we don't have any help to what God's trying to do in their lives and bring them. For the invisible things that are hid from creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. And these people are going to be without excuse on Judgment Day. There is no excuse. Because the Bible talks about people where the gospel never gets preached, and they believe, and, and their heart is turned right towards God. Now, they don't know that Jesus' name is Jesus. They don't know everything about but their heart is turned towards God. And it talks about that in, in Romans 2. Wow. The invisible things are clearly seen. Everybody say, invisible things are clearly seen. The invisible things are clearly seen. Did you know the Bible says that Jesus is the express image of God Almighty? He said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So here's an invisible thing, God whom no man has ever seen, it says. Doesn't it say that in the Bible? No man has ever seen God, the face of God. And Jesus who is the most highly documented figure in all of history and was seen by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people. So the, the invisible things are clearly seen. God's invisible, but he made himself clearly seen to everybody through Jesus being incarnated and made manifest on earth. Can I get an amen? amen. Clearly seen. He isn't hiding himself. He gave an exact image of himself for everybody to see. If I could see God, maybe then. Jeez. The visible things of this world were made by the invisible, the Bible says. The visible things, Hebrews 11.3 says, that which is seen, that which is not seen was made by that which is seen. It says it in a real kind of awkward way in King James English. Basically, it's saying, everything you can see, it was made by something that you can't see. Everything that's visible, it was made by that which is invisible. Look not to the seen, but to the unseen, the Bible says. You see, they're refusing to look to the unseen. And they've even got a picture of God for 33 years on earth 
that's the most highly documented figure in all of history, Jesus, and they won't accept it. God made himself known. Can I get an amen? God makes himself known through the creation. His deep and profound and unbelievable. You know, people that study it think they're really smart. People that maybe got a degree in, in, in chemistry or, or, or in some high, you know, sophisticated engineering and science and physics and things like that, and they think they're all smart. Wait a minute. What about the guy who created it? He's the one that's smart. Dummy, you just observed it. Observing something doesn't mean you're smart. The one who created it is smart. And you think you're smart just because you observe it. How much smarter is the guy that created it? God. And it says, professing to be wise. Let's, Let's keep on going. Let's move on down. Verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Because what? Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their own imagination. And their own foolish heart was darkened. When you become vain in your imagination, when you imagine things, your foolish heart will become darkened. Wow. That's pretty scary. And you'll be turned over to a reprobate mind. Better watch those imaginations. Somebody say amen. Because your foolish heart will be darkened and you'll be turned over to a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind is a mind that can no longer understand true and, and no longer has judgment. And it says they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Verse 28. Wow. Romans 2 really tells it all. Really exposes man for what he is. Wow, let's go on to number two. The second way, creation is number one. The second way God draws all men is through our conscience. Romans 2.1. What does it say? Wherefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemn thyself. For thou that judgest does the same things. Wow. 2, 14 and 15, look what it says in verses 14 and 15. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. In other words, there's people out there who never heard the Bible, and they're following it better than those of us who do have the Bible. How did that happen? The conscience and the law of God that God wrote on their hearts. The same thing that will tell you there's a God. And when those people go to a mass crusade for the first time somewhere in Nowheresville, Africa, on the dark side of the moon, they're the ones that run right up and get saved, first thing. Because they already know that guy that the preacher is talking about. Because they met him right in here in their heart. Somebody say amen. And then, verse 15 which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile excusing or else excusing one another. See, it's the conscience and the law that God wrote in every man's heart. The same law that tells you right from wrong also tells you that there is a God. And a man's conscience, if followed completely, will begin to lead him to Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. And then we need somebody along. 
Perry, Perry Stone tells about a missionary who came across hundreds of Muslims right after 9-11, and they all were very sorrowful and knew that it was wrong and wanted to be saved but didn't know how. They said, what have we done to those people in America? Muslims! And they were filled with sorrow and anguish and horror at what happened. And they said that they wanted to be saved and the missionaries immediately took advantage of that and led hundreds to Christ. Isn't that an amazing story? Perry Stone tells us. I remember him telling that. You see, your conscience will tell you that there's a God. He's drawing all men. He's drawing men by creation itself. He's drawing all men by their inward conscience and the law of God written on their heart. And the Holy Spirit starts to draw a person. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. God is drawing all men to himself. Well, I'm going to have to hop, skip, and jump and just... Can I just kind of uh, quickly capsulize for about two more minutes and finish this thing? Those who have not had a human being preach the word to them, but have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and God's law that's written in their heart, they've obeyed it from their conscience. These kind always are the same ones who accept the preaching of Jesus when the missionary shows up. Because they're already being worked on by God. Can I get an amen? Amen through creation and their conscience. We should be doing the same thing here. We should be understanding that God is already working on people's conscience and are to reveal himself through creation. And they're waiting for someone to come preach and sum up and seal the deal. There are those who have been taught the word all their life and still won't obey it in America. But God is still drawing them. God draws all men, only he knows who is responding positively or negatively in their heart towards him. So the third way that we draw all men to Christ is through the gospel. In 1 Corinthians one twenty one, it says, it's by the foolishness of preaching that God has chosen that men should be saved. There is an uncanny power about preaching God's word. And this is the best way. It's the most complete way. It's the most sure way to get people saved. If you had this, the others don't apply to you. In other words, you know, God, he's already drawn you through the preaching of the word. And yes, your conscience and creation confirm that. But John 12, 32, God is drawing all men. We are the body of Christ. God is drawing. We are the body of Christ. So God is drawing all men through us. He said, if I be lifted up, that God would draw all men. And so we think, oh, it's, you know, their conscience will take care of it. Oh, creation will do it. No, that's abdicating our responsibility. We need to be drawing all men through preaching. We're the body of Christ. Number one, by persuasion. 2 Corinthians 5, 11, knowing uh, that the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Let me say that again. 2 Corinthians 5, 11, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So God is drawing by our persuasiveness. Luke, we compel Luke 14, 23 says, go out into the highways and the hedges and the highways and the byways and compel them to come in and fill the Father's house. So we compel, we persuade and we compel. We preach, Mark 16, 15 16, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Number three, 
We need to be wise as serpents, Matthew 10, 16. The strategies to influence, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We need some serpentine wisdom. (laughs) We need to be smart like the world. In other words, we need to strategize. Serpents aren't inherently evil. They're just wise and beguiling. You know, we can't, you know, serpents don't have any inherent moral compass. Now, Satan came in the form of a serpent, but you can't now call all serpents evil. Can I get an amen? So serpent wisdom doesn't mean that you're wicked. It just means that they're very, uh, they're very uh, how can I say, I just studied all about this today, that, that serpents are just very wise. They, they, they hide and they don't strike, and yet they can kill. And there's just a whole bunch of things about the serpent wisdom or the snake's wisdom. I read about it today, but we don't have time now. So then, because uh, another way that he is compelling, because all... Becoming all things to all men, 1 Corinthians 9, 19-21, flexibility culturally. We need to become all things to all men. That doesn't mean we become a porn addict with the porn addict. It means we become all things to all men. It means that we become all that they have need of. Uh, you know, if, if they've been beat up and thrown on the roadside like the Good Samaritan, we need to be their doctor, and we need to be their taxi cab driver, and we need to be their hotel payer. Can I get an amen? That's what being all things to all men is. Not, not going and acting like a 13-year-old when you're 45. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> well, I'm being all things, all man. You're having a midlife crisis is what you're doing. But anyway, power and demonstration. First Corinthians, Paul said, I didn't come into you with enticing wisdom of men's wisdom, but with power and demonstration of the spirit that your face should not rest upon the wisdom of men, but the power of God. So we need to have power and demonstration. Last one, say all these ways are ways that God uses us. To draw men by compassion and fear. Jude talks about some by fear, some by compassion, kindness, and by mercy. So let's all stand up. We went over time tonight. And uh, what God commands, he draws. God commands all men, God is drawing all men. Know that if God commands all men, he's drawing them, and he's expecting you right alongside with creation and their conscience to be one of those many things. We need to persuade, compel, preach, be wise as serpents, become all things to all men, use power and demonstration and compassion and fear. We need to be drawing all men because that is part of what God has called us to do because he's commanding all men to repent.